Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today I'm talking about imposter syndrome and ADHD, how those two things relate together. Thank you, Leah, for the suggestion. And um, this is a great topic and one that a lot of us deal with. So what is imposter syndrome? It's this belief that we're frauds, right? That even if we're doing really well, it's kind of a fluke. Like with imposter syndrome, sometimes the most anxious you're going to be is when you are doing well because you're just like, ah, the bottom's going to fall out. I don't really belong here. I'm not really this person. So I'm going to talk about this from an ADHD lens first and talk about certain factors that really impact us and might make this more likely for us to experience. And then I'm going to talk about it in a general way. And of course, like always, if I'm going to talk about something, I'm going to talk about maybe some tools and some strategies to help us with this. Okay, first off, with ADHD, we, by nature, have variability in the ways we show up. This, this is ADHD, right? We have variability in how much attention we might have, variability in how much energy we have, variability on how easy or difficult it is to regulate emotionally. That's different, right? For all people, that's different day to day. But with ADHD, you take that and you crank it up. That is our experience. And so... This variability in how we're showing up can really undermine our confidence, even if we're successful, even if we're doing really well, because we're like, oh, is this version of me showing up tomorrow? Like, oh, I was able to knock that out because I was really stressed, but like, can I rely on that tomorrow? That variability really is inherent in having ADHD. We work with it. We learn to work with it. We don't all learn to work with it in the same way. There's no one right way to do that. For some people, that means... I recognize these these ebbs and flows, and so I have the ability to build my workday around them and know that if I am on a super productive mode, that you know the next phase is going to be downshifting, and I can do that. I have the space to do that. Not everybody is able to do that or even wants to do that, and so there's different strategies. If you are deciding, hey, I need some way to kind of even out this variability so I can rely on myself to show up in this certain way every day. But before we've learned to do that for ourselves, or when we're in that messy middle process of doing that for ourselves, or if we've changed settings, right, and we're doing that all over again for ourselves, working with this variability, then it can really impact our confidence. And when we have successes, whether or not we believe we can repeat them, or whether or not we believe that this is really uh, who we are. You know, another factor that impacts a lot of us and makes this imposter syndrome maybe more likely for a lot of us is this rejection sensitivity that a lot of us experience. This can be a really big challenge and it's understandable why many of us face it. You know, our needs for connection and belonging are real human needs. And when you are growing up and having a lot of experience of disconnect, having a lot of experiences of not really belonging, then you can get a bit jumpy about feedback because feedback can be very threatening because you've experienced so much negative feedback. And so it's hard for us sometimes to be objective. Sometimes we're really hypervigilant and we're perceiving that criticism when it's not even there. But in relation to imposter syndrome, sometimes we're getting feedback that could help us. And that feels overwhelming and like, oh, is there any way that I can just operate in a way to never get that negative feedback, right? To never get that criticism because that's a big threat. And we can very quickly fall into that place of all or nothing thinking, like either I'm this expert 
that's never going to get feedback that's anything but glowing, or I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm a complete imposter and I'm a complete fraud. You know, we find ourselves only being able to exist in those two polar ends. I'm going to talk about the the Dunning-Kruger effect later on in this podcast, which is all about existing somewhere in between those two, two polar opposite ideas. You know, another factor that can really impact us with ADHD when it comes to imposter syndrome is having a difficult time judging time, judging time, and therefore creating boundaries and realistic expectations around time. I was working with someone a couple weeks ago, and she had had this big job dumped in her lap with two days to complete it. And she was very overwhelmed and felt like an imposter, felt like a fraud. Like I should be able to get this done. They're expecting me to get this done. It's, it's due in two days. And we just dug in to breaking this thing down. It's how we determined it was going to take 60 legitimate hours of her time to do. We've been working together for a while. So we, we were kind of safely able to say what elements of ADHD could have impacted this playing out this way, right? And what we were able to decide was like, this was not an ADHD thing. This was kind of a hustle culture. She had a decision to make about how to approach this, but she was able to shift out of this place of like, I'm the problem, right? It's obviously this is about me not being able to deliver and show up and look at this with a more balanced way and say, um, yeah, I'm not actually the problem here. Like this is not a me problem, an ADHD problem. This is definitely a problem, but it was not that she didn't belong there. It was not that she wasn't capable. In, in having difficulty judging time can make us kind of vulnerable to misjudging situations like this. And drawing conclusions that this is because I'm a fraud, I'm an imposter, etc. Because of this difficulty judging time, that we may not have a really good pulse on what is realistic, what's realistic in a workday, what's realistic in our personal lives, how much can a human being, with or without ADHD, can actually get done. And they're not objective about the actual reality of the time. And I'm not saying that's always the case. Sometimes their difficulty breaking something down um, or maybe sustaining attention might have impacted them ending up in this situation, this kind of time deficit situation. But along with that, many people are vulnerable to over delivering, being expected to over deliver and not being able to set up like appropriate boundaries for their time because they kind of feel like they're making up for something that they've missed, that they're, they're always feeling this deficit and assuming that it has to do with them and their struggles, right? Like when we look at being able to judge time better and determine how much time things take and determine their steps, we get a little more oriented to whether or not something's even reasonable for us to take on. Like if it's not reasonable, if it's too much, what we want to do with that, if it does have to do with ADHD and and that's impacting us, what we want to do with that. But either way, this is a position of power, of understanding like, hey, I belong here. This is, I'm not an imposter. I'm not a fraud. So these are all ways ADHD might make it more likely for us to experience imposter syndrome. The variability that we have in attention and energy, emotional regulation, uh, rejection sensitivity that a lot of us deal with and our ability to judge time and set up boundaries around time. But let's just talk in a broader way about imposter syndrome because we're not the only people who deal with this. There's something that's kind of interesting about 
uh, the path to becoming an expert, the path to becoming proficient. There's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, and there are these psychologists that studied the relationship between people's confidence in their knowledge of something versus their actual knowledge, that there is this inverse relationship. But like, if you are a beginner, you're often overconfident because you don't yet understand the complexity of something. And the deeper you get in to learning about something, the more you realize you don't know. And that this makes you less confident. You might start out not being very capable, but being pretty confident. And the irony is the more knowledge, the more capable, the more you build, the less confident you might feel. There's good news that eventually that your knowledge and your confidence kind of sync up a little bit more, but it's a different kind of confidence. It's a more humble confidence because you know what it took you to get here. You know, there's still room to grow. You're not done. We're never done when it comes to mastering a lot of things, right? Like there's always room to grow. The more complicated a subject is, the the more room there is to keep growing and keep improving. My sister's a neuroscientist. She's been on this podcast. Everybody loves neuroscientists when it comes to finding studies that support what we already kind of believe or what we want to be true or what lines up with our hunches, right? Like we want the science. We'll say, yes, this, I'm right. Here's some science, right? But when it comes to actual science, your scientists are very stingy with the, I am confident about this. They don't say it. There's a connection here. Ah, this could be, they're not going to be like, yes, it's definitely true because their work, their profession trains them for this complexity to really know more. You have to know you don't know that much. Like that is kind of the nature of research. Another thing that kind of complicates this, this whole Dunning-Kruger effect is that we often equate the confidence with capability. We assume the confidence equals competence. And they've also looked at this confidence and overconfidence in in corporate settings. What they find is these leaders that are overconfident may have landed this position because of that perception, but they have worse outcomes, consistently worse outcomes that that can be correlated to this overconfidence. And we all do this, right? It doesn't make you a villain. We all have, especially areas where we do this, where because we don't understand how involved something is, we assume it's not and that it's accessible. We're going to do it. Like several years ago, I bought this couch and I loved the couch, but there was something that I didn't really love with the fabric. And so I just decided that I was going to reupholster the couch. Was I basing that decision on any previous experience or knowledge of reupholstering? No. I just thought I would and assumed I could just kind of like figure it out, which technically I did, (laughs) but that was one janky looking couch. And, you know, my husband saw it and he was like, oh, and I was stubborn. So I was not going to admit couch defeat. And it stayed in our living area for like a couple of years. So keep that in mind. If you're dealing with imposter syndrome, you might be measuring yourself your actual capabilities against somebody else's confidence. So I want you to think about something that, no matter who you are, 
you are a relative expert in, and that is speaking your native language. Even if you do not consider yourself a great writer or a great public speaker, if somebody with no knowledge of your language started to learn it, you would be the end goal. Like your level of speaking and communication is most likely the majority of people's arrival place. More accurately, it's beyond it. You have a level of proficiency and ability that many people learning your language as a second language will not achieve. And so you have this expert confidence that is well-placed. It's not overconfidence. You know that if for some reason you can't understand something, you're not assuming it's because you're a fraud. You don't really speak French. You don't really speak English or Spanish. You know you speak it. You know you're fluent in it. But if there's a word you don't know or an accent that's hard to understand, you don't assume that that makes you a fraud and you can't speak your language, right? Like this is something, even if you have nothing else that you've experienced that kind of mastery in, you have this to compare it to. I love reading. I am always learning new words in English. I'm always learning new words in English. It doesn't make me doubt my ability to speak the language, but I know because I know the language, I'm always, there's always room to learn more. Now, on the other hand, I am fluent in Spanish. I have learned it as a second language. I've spent a long time learning it. But I think it's safe to say that I'm never going to have that level of expertise in my second language. And I've had situations at this level of, of fluency where I've spoken to somebody that maybe has a, like a very strong accent that I'm not familiar with um, or is using slang that I'm not familiar with. And it makes you feel like a fraud. You really doubt yourself and your capabilities. Now, that can happen to me in English, but I don't make those assumptions because because if I don't understand an accent in English, I don't assume it's because I'm not fluent. And so, you know, if, if we look at growth mindset and this idea that with most things in life, we continue to learn. We're continuing to grow. We're continuing to build skills. We're going to spend a lot of our time, the majority of our time in this whole messy middle. We're not the confident beginner, but we're in that growing place of like, what do I know? Do I really know it? I'm not sure. And doubting ourselves and in understanding that really mastery confidence is going to be this balanced confidence that acknowledging what you know, acknowledging your expertise and recognizing that you'll probably never arrive. You're going to keep growing. And that in no way makes you an imposter and in no way makes you a fake. If you arrive at a place where you're done, you know it all, it's kind of a good sign that you don't. So most of us have had this experience at some time, right? Of feeling like an imposter, feeling like a fraud, being unsure about our abilities or our expertise, our experience. And whether or not this has to do with some specific ADHD related factors, like the things that we talked about earlier, or whether it's just kind of that normal process of learning. One of the best things that we can do for ourselves is adopting this growth mindset. Growth mindset means I am enjoying the process, or at least I'm tolerating the process. That growth mindset lets you relax a little bit with this and recognize that you can be very skilled, very experienced, very capable and not be perfect and still be learning and still need collaboration and help from others. And it does not take away from you having the skills you have, having the experience you have. 
And pay attention to when you see overconfidence around you. And please don't compare yourself to that. Don't compare yourself to the person that has no interest in growing and adding to their knowledge, that is only interested in being the expert without updating or learning new things, right? That is suspect, right? Those are the people that probably don't even know what they don't know. We've all been that person. I have a couch to prove it, but most of us find ourselves in the role of the imposter syndrome more often than the underqualified, underaware beginner. Remember that the next time the imposter syndrome sneaks up on you, you're not alone and you can push back on those kind of thoughts and those kind of feelings. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are interested in learning more about my group coaching membership that is happening later in the fall, it'll be available later in the fall. Now, I don't have all the information out on it now, but if you want to be added to the list of people to get information when that's available, then you can either go on my website, www.theadhdclaritycoach.com and get on the waiting list there, or I'll have a link in the show notes. You can add yourself and fill out a couple questions. And as soon as there is an update on that, I will let you know I'm very excited about being able to offer this and being able to use it to offer support to a larger number of people. Jump over there and get that information if you are interested and I will see you next time.